Against the better judgment of respectable gentlefolk everywhere, this is the wildly inappropriate podcast of Arthur Greenleaf Holmes, England's only poet laureate of the piss pot. This podcast is not for children, the dull-witted and infirm, or the morally indignant. Arthur takes no responsibility, and never has, for damn near anything. Arthur Greenleaf Holmes cannot come to the phone right now. Please leave a message after the podcast. Your call will be returned within the next one to two business eons. Today's episode, I bought a cleese and thought of you. Hello, this is Arthur Greenleaf Holmes, and once again, I want to say thank you for joining me on this, the fifth episode of the wildly inappropriate podcast of Arthur Greenleaf Holmes. I I want to start today with something I haven't done yet. I've been a little bit remiss in reading letters from my listeners, and I, I should do that more often. Uh, let's let's answer a letter. I, I do get letters. This is from John Rawlings in Davenport, Iowa, who writes, Arthur, there is a carnival coming to my town. I love carnivals. Do you also? If so, what is your favorite game to play at a carnival? Yeah, I do like carnivals, I suppose. My favorite game, I would have to say, is the Greased Midget Catch. Love it. Love it. It's more challenging these days. Because back in the day, they used to have those farm-raised midgets. They were corn-fed, and that led to a fattier, slower-moving midget. But these days, they've got those free-range midgets, and those bastards are built for speed. And this is what they do. They, they pump it full of bourbon and give it a super laxative to make it extra jumpy. Then they, they coat it in oil and they let it go. And it's a very difficult, challenging thing to catch a grease midget on a super laxative. And when you grab one, you got to be careful because when a midget blows, he really pops. It's like a potato cannon. All right, so uh, let, let's get to it, shall we? Uh, today I have some very exciting news to share with you all. But first, I'm going to speak about the very first poem that I wrote. And yes, I understand the confusion here. Isn't last week's juvenilia poem, Mother Will My Stones Drop, the first poem that I wrote? Well, let's make a distinction here, shall we? In the myth that is Arthur Greenleaf Holmes, yes, Mother is the first poem written. But the first poem that this strange puppet master who sits behind the veil of Arthur wrote was the cheese poem. I had just been hired to play a poet at the Sterling Renaissance Festival, which is near Oswego, New York, in a, in a radical departure from what I had been playing for many years, which was a beggar. That's interesting. I just use the word radical. This makes me think. Henry David Thoreau, when he was conducting that two-year experiment in living at Walden Pond, he was cultivating these beans, and it led him to meditate upon beans and the language of beans and the, the formation of beans. And he points out that the very first shoot that comes out of a bean is called the radical. So how is it that something so elemental as the primary artery of a living organism has come to mean an extreme departure from what is normal? Is it because one is never being so radical as when one is being his or her own authentic self? Just food for thought, I suppose. And thank you, Henry David. Oh, back to the thread. So now I knew I had to play a poet and I was determined to write my own material because I would be damned if I would trot out all of Shakespeare's sonnets or some paltry roses or red poems and foist them on the public in much the same manner as that guy playing happy hour at TGI Friday's strumming out brown-eyed girl. No, I was going to consult my little radical. No, not you. 
And one early morning, as I lay in bed listening to a rooster crowing in the distance, and by the way, you hear some very pleasant animal sounds while sleeping in a loft at a Renaissance festival. You also see some alarming pantomimes through the illuminated tent fabric in the campgrounds. What me and my friends Jimmy and Paddy called shadow puppets of love. The thread. Arthur, you've lost the thread again. Oh yeah, so here I am, lying in bed, and this line pops into my head. I bought a cheese and thought of you. Just popped into my head. And there was something so tidy about that title. It had rhythm and meter, and I thought it flowed so nicely, you know? And I think of other poems with a similar meter, like uh, The Rose Upon the Rood of Time, I Bought a Cheese and Thought of You, or uh, Because I Could Not Stop for Death, and maybe Blake's How Sweet I Roamed from Field to Field. And, so, and you know, the, the, the title to me held promise, right? I didn't know what I was going to write about. I just had the title, but it held promise. Something has to happen in a poem with that title, doesn't it? And something does happen. Sometimes a poem comes that way, as a title first, and then everything else just sort of flows out. Other times, in fact, most times it seems, it's much harder work. Stitching and unstitching, as the poet once said. But yes, this was, this was a really easy poem to write, and in many ways I think that it set me on my course as Arthur. And I've been performing this poem for 14 years now, and in my stage show for about, mm, I guess, 11 years I've been doing my show now. And when you perform something for that long, you find yourself at first discovering certain nuances in it. But then eventually you settle on a consistent way of delivering the piece. Sometimes, because I'm doing it the same way for so long, I'll, I'll challenge myself in the moment to simply find another way to speak a line, perhaps to find a different emotion behind it. Or maybe to look at what's going on right there immediately in, in the audience and, and around me to see if that influences the way I might say something. Uh, because for every poem or soliloquy or piece of, of dialogue or even songs, there are countless ways to perform them, to interpret them, in fact. And I find it very interesting to see how different performers might present these poems. I mean, what of their own experiences, their own beliefs, the way they speak? and even where they are in their own lives, what of all of that might influence how they see a work? This episode has been brought to you by The Blank Yawning Void. Let it engulf you for a 10% discount wherever existential dread is sold. The blank, yawning void. Once you stare longingly into its eternal gaze, the fun don't stop. So, here comes the exciting part. Now, occasionally in performance, I will introduce my another one of my poems called Hearthside Conversation. I will introduce it with a sort of throwaway comment that I wrote the poem with... John Cleese's voice in mind. John Cleese, of course, being Basil Fawlty from Fawlty Towers and one of the great um, founding members of Monty Python. And as my children know him, the voice of the Frog King in Shrek. Um, but yes, it's true. When I wrote that poem, I pictured John Cleese as the father freaking out on his family. And uh, my friend Gary Combs mentioned to me, he suggested, why don't you see if there's any way we could raise money and see if we could ask John Cleese to record himself reciting that poem. So we did. We started a little, a little uh, fundraising 
enterprise, and it took about a day, and we <laughs> raised, oh, a nice, tidy sum of money, and I contacted John Cleese because he's on the Cameo website. And, of course, I'm thinking that this that nothing is going to come from this, nothing at all. And nothing did come from it for about eight days. But on the ninth day, I suddenly received this video message from John Cleese. And he's saying that this was a very unique request and he would like to find out a way to do it. I sent him the text of Hearthside Conversation and I immediately regretted it because it's a kind of, it's such a, it's the poem I do at the end of my show after I've built up this persona, which is largely harmless, but at a point in the show where the audience wants me to go farther than I've gone before. And to read the poem on, on the page without any of that context, it was just too much. And it's a long poem. So I wrote him back and I said, I think this is the wrong choice for you. Would you consider doing I Bought a Cheese and Thought of You? And he did it. So if you go to YouTube, uh, to my Arthur Greenleaf Holmes channel on YouTube, at the very top of my videos, you will see the recording of John Cleese reciting that poem. What I really enjoyed about listening to his interpretation is the choice that he made in gliding certain words into that I, as in, between those thighs what roiling sea I bought a cheese and thought of thee, or um, it's rind a bead with musky do I bought a cheese and thought of you. We, we both employ that certain glide at that point, and uh, I just find it interesting that we both made that choice. Maybe the text of poems makes certain choices for the reader. Um, who knows? I'm reminded of Mary Oliver's treatment of the first lines of Robert Frost's Stopping by Woods on a Snowy Evening. Uh, whose woods are these, I think I know. His house is in the village, though. He will not see me stopping here to watch his woods fill up with snow. There's, there's really no hard stop in any of those lines. Every word glides into the next one. And it's hard to recite that poem with an enjambment in it, to, with an, any sort of abrupt act within those words. I just think sometimes a poem dictates how you pronounce it. So... That was the thrill of a lifetime for me. So go to YouTube and check that out. Uh, that about does it for this podcast. And once again, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, this is a real pleasure for me, and I hope to continue it for as long as you'll listen to it. Uh, thank you very much, and I will see you next week. Thank you, John Cleese. This has been the wildly inappropriate podcast of Arthur Greenleaf Holmes. Counselors are standing by for those of you in need of a good talkdown. Please send all complaints to the Ministry of Abiding Indifference, whose address we haven't yet gotten around to. Follow Arthur on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and your local police blotter, and go to arthurgreenleafholmes.com to find out how you can be responsible for bringing this pervert to an off-Broadway theater. We'll see you next week. Toodles! Hosted on dimlywit.com.